And as we left, there was a storm coming over the mountains. And so we we left and we walked back through these tall golden grasses. And I just turned back for a second to look at the storm that was back there and the sun was peeking through. And I turned and got like the sun lighting up the golden grasses in this sunburst. And it was like the most magical moment. Like I took that picture and for me, it just completely epitomized like the magic of that day. This is Allison Jacobs, the host of the Creative Frame podcast, where I interview other photographers about their creative process and what inspires them. This is episode 16, and I am so excited that you're here. Today, I'm talking with Kristen Ryan, who is a fine art landscape photographer and educator. Her heart lies in capturing the beauty of the world around her and the magic that happens when passionate nature photographers come together. Her Women's Capture Magic Retreats are born from that passion, which she shares more about in our conversation today. For Kristen, photographing nature brings a sense of calm and serenity, and capturing the magic of Mother Nature is an incredible feeling that she loves to help others achieve through her teaching and through her retreats. Today, we covered topics like how Kristen got into landscape photography, how she's intentional about creating time for this genre of photography, what inspires her and how she captures those things creatively, whether it's through her gear or through her techniques. Kristen also talks about some of the challenges of landscape photography and how you can overcome them, even if you live in a city or a suburb. Kristen's love of landscape photography really shines through in this conversation, and I know that it will leave you inspired to find the magic in the world around you too. Here's our conversation. Hey, Kristen. Hey, Allison. Thank you so much for joining me today. I cannot wait to talk to you about landscape photography and your journey and your creative process and just all the things today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. So let's jump in and I would love to just have you share a little bit about how you got into photography and a little bit about what your journey was like to becoming a landscape photographer specifically. Sure. So I actually always had interest in photography since I was since I was little. I always kind of had a camera, took a lot of pictures, had no idea what I was doing with the camera. But when I was in college, I did take a black and white developing class. And it was not part of the college curriculum. It was just kind of like something that was being offered in one of the buildings. And so I took that, I think somewhere in my house, I still have like a black and white of a chapel at Northwestern's campus that I developed. And I didn't get to do it as much as I would have liked to spend the time in the dark room because I was busy with school. But that was, I don't remember what year of college that was, but looking back, I realized that the interest was, was really always there. And then um, I think when I had my first child, which was in 2006, he's now 15, we got a DSLR and I took tons of pictures of my kids. And that's when I kind of like, I would try to take good pictures, but didn't really know what I was doing. And when my husband and I went on trips, we took lots of pictures. And I think I always really loved to capture things, but I didn't know what I didn't know. In fact, I thought shooting manual was just manual focus. So that was like, you know, I just didn't, I didn't understand how much there was. And so then with my kids, so after my first, I had another son two years later, and then three years after that I had twins. And so it was after my twins were born, I was like, you know, I tried to take pictures of them as newborns and I 
you know, just experimented like all moms do with, you know, taking pictures of their kids. And I even had some of my, my older son, like we had a long zoom lens and, you know, when you compress it, you get that, you know, the nice blurry background. And, but I had no idea how I achieved that. And it was during my twins first year before the twins, actually before kids, I was a freelance harpist. And when I was pregnant with the twins, when they came along, I I really didn't have time to play the harp. And I was longing for, you know, another creative outlet and I wanted to keep learning and and doing stuff. So I ended up finding like a random photography class and actually learned like what it meant to to control the camera and came home that day. And I told my husband, I'm like, I need a new camera. I need a prime lens. And I was kind of off and running with the photography in general. Like I just came home and I was like, I feel like I did when I used to get like a new heartbeat that I wanted, that I was excited to learn and practice for hours. And I hadn't felt that way in so long. So it was just, it was really exciting. And I saw so many parallels between like learning music and photography both the arts and, you know, the technical side and the creative side. So I think it just really fit with me. And then I actually found Clickin' Moms on my twin's first birthday, like dove in and took a zillion different workshops. And, you know, I definitely started out as, can I capture those eyelashes as sharp as I can and shooting wide open with my kids. So that was in 2012, beginning of 2012. And as I'm taking all these classes throughout 2012, in the fall, September of 2012, I took a trip out to the Tetons by myself. So no kids. And because my kids, of course, were not there, I actually got to go hiking and I got to absorb myself in the nature and in the landscape and only take pictures of the nature. And when I came home from that trip, I felt so rejuvenated. I remember my first day there, my mom actually joined me, but my first day there, I was all by myself. And I was like, this is the best day I've had by myself in forever. And part of it was just being out in nature and hiking. And But it was amazing to be there with my camera and to actually have have more knowledge of what I was doing because prior to that, all my trips out there, I took pictures, but I didn't have as good of an understanding of how to capture the nature in front of me. That was kind of the turning point. I think I didn't stop taking pictures of my kids, but I started moving more into landscape capturing my everyday landscape, which is certainly not quite as amazing as on are, but more local landscapes in Chicago. And eventually I moved into doing it more and started my class with Click and Moms because they didn't have a landscape class. And as I started sharing more landscapes on the forum, I started finding that there were other women out there that had an interest in landscape photography. That's where it started. And it gradually just continued to progress because I found that as I got out into nature, I just, I felt better. I felt like I was in the moment. I love just capturing the light and the beauty of what was out there and not controlling. I shouldn't say control, but like direct a child or have a, you know, have someone else that was willing to participate in my art. And I loved having that genre just for myself. So I think that was also part of kind of how I ended up getting into, it really was mostly a love of the landscape and nature, but also having my kids kind of grow up and not want to participate or wear like unmatching fluorescent clothes and, you know, that kind of thing. They kind of went hand in hand. So I tried out shooting a few different clients. I tried out shooting newborns. People would ask me to do pictures. I sometimes would, but I never felt the passion like I did when I would be running towards a beautiful sky or sitting by a waterfall. That just speaks to me just much more significantly. I do still really love to capture my kids enjoying nature, but not directed. I like to watch them do it as they're out there, but a lot of time I'm like, get out of my frame. (laughs) 
So yeah, that's kind of how I ended up focusing on the landscape. And I still feel the same way about it today as, you know, back when I started getting into it. So do you see that trip by yourself as sort of like the defining moment or the catalyst? Did you know at the time that you were about to shift? Or is it something that now as you reflect back, you can see that was a really important day and that sort of started or opened the door for you to to realize that that was a whole new area you could explore with photography? Yeah. You know, I had no idea. I just know we had gone out there as a family in that summer and I took lots of pictures of my kids. And and this was interesting too. I noticed in looking at some of those pictures, I discovered because I had been in such a more kid focused place and, you know, you're so focused on wide apertures and blurry backgrounds. I have a bunch of pictures from that trip where my kids are in focus and the mountains are blurry and I'm like, darn, my mountains are blurry. Like, you know, that was like a kind of a signal to me too. It's like when you have that nature, maybe you don't want to be using a wider aperture because maybe you want the whole thing in focus. But yeah, I wanted to get back in the fall. Yeah, it was something that I hadn't really gotten to spend much time there in the fall because as a kid, I was in school and you know, it just wasn't a time that we went and getting out there. I think it was, it wasn't intentional by any means. It was just something that I wanted to do. And I I see it now that that was a turning point because I see in retrospect, like just how amazing I felt being there and being by myself and able to just be me, not the mom and not the wife, not all those other roles. And there is actually one particular image that I took that year. The history for me in the Tetons is my grandparents bought property in 1969 and built a home in 1970. And so I'd been going since I was a very tiny little girl and that property has sold. When I was a little girl, there was this little tiny stream behind the house. And my grandpa used to cross that and head back to the Snake River to fly fish every day. That was why they bought property there. And so gradually the snake river changed course and that little meander creek that we used to like cross on rocks became like a full-on river so it was like up to your waist or chest even so eventually we couldn't really cross and hike back there so in 2012 when i was out there with my mom the river was really really low and so we were actually able to walk across and do the half mile hike back to the main channel of the snake and as we left there was a storm coming over the mountain and so we we left and we walked back through these tall golden grasses. And I just turned back for a second to look at the storm that was back there and the sun was peeking through. And I turned and got like the sun lighting up the golden grasses in this sunburst. And it was like the most magical moment. Like I took that picture and for me, it just completely epitomized like the magic of that day of being able to get, I haven't been across the river since, but that was, you know, such a an amazing moment to be able to hike back there with my mom. And then just that beauty in that moment was so incredible. And to capture that, like that image is framed big on my wall in my family room. And I think it will always be one of my very favorites because of the meaning of that time, but also just, it was a pivotal point in my photography and realizing how much I enjoyed just capturing the beauty of nature outside of of our human presence. But yeah, it wasn't intentional. (laughs) Just in retrospect, I think that it was kind of one of those turning points. I think it's neat that you have a picture that doesn't have people in it, yet still takes you right back to that moment where you were hiking with your mom and you can remember the details of the day and you can remember being with her and crossing the stream for the first time in a long time. Because I think sometimes when we think about capturing memories or documenting our days, 
the ideas that there's people in the frame. But it's so neat to hear you talk about being able to look at a photo that's more of a landscape, but yet it still takes you right back to that moment in that same way. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I really love about landscape photography. And I also think is actually kind of important as you explore the genre more. I know I've talked with a couple ladies like in my workshop and one of them, I remember one of them saying, yeah, she's like, you know, I guess I kind of tend to shoot more at the landscape because one of the things I talk about in my workshop is connecting to the nature and figuring out how it makes you feel before you even start shooting. I think that it is important to feel that connection and that moment and how you feel to capture it in a way that will bring you back to that moment. I guess when I'm shooting, my goal is to capture it in a way that in the end, when when I brought it home and I've edited it, that it makes me feel as I did in the moment that I press the shutter. And I definitely think that you can have those experiences with nature. Maybe you have someone next to you or maybe you're by yourself. Either way, it takes you back to that moment. It doesn't have to have a person in it, I think, to really feel connected. You know, you can have that strong connection with place or just the way that nature makes you feel when you're out there, I think. What are some of the ways that you find yourself being able to capture the landscape to show that feeling or show that emotion outside of, I mean, I know there's like the technical part, but then also the creative part. How do you connect that part? Over time, for me, I figured out some of the things that I long for, that I look for in my imagery or that I'm seeking in nature. And one of those things is kind of calm or serenity, soothing. You know, I feel like my life is very chaotic and busy. And so when I'm out, like I love to find, I guess, the calm and the, and the soothing part of nature and then just the things that make my jaw drop. So one of the things I've fallen in love with is long exposure photography, both with clouds and water and capturing that movement and sometimes giving that like dreamy feel that, you know, wispy clouds or, you know, smooth water. That's for me, something that, that captures the essence of how I'm feeling. And it it may not actually be how it's in, in real life. Right. I mean, you don't see clouds or water smoothed out in real life, but I feel like that reflects a lot of the time how I'm feeling. And then the other thing that I think is so important that I really try to talk about in my workshops is the fact that I think it's important to try to capture what it is that is really calling to you in the landscape and to use your tools to compose your frame where you're really including what is speaking to you and excluding the things that aren't. And I know, I mean, you can do that within the grand landscape. I've also started doing a lot in the last couple of years, a lot more intimate landscapes as well. We're using longer lenses and so forth where, you know, if it is like one pocket of light on trees or on the mountain peaks or, or something like that, that, that I choose my lens and my composition to really, to make it clear, like, this is why I press the shutter. This is the magic that's speaking to me in this particular moment. It sounds like it's also a part of maybe your journey of developing your style and your voice as a landscape photographer. I'm curious how long that took you or what that looked like for you. I think that's such an ongoing process. And I think that part of it's shooting, part of it's processing. And I think you go through phases too, as you learn. I don't know when I felt like I really felt 
developed my style. I think I think I went through a learning phase and trying lots of different stuff and like kind of had periods of certain styles that for a period of time and then sort of moved in, a, in slightly different directions. Once I found long exposure photography, that has always been a strong part of my landscape photography when the opportunities are there. I mentioned before that whole dreamy quality and showing movement in the water and clouds. That was an early discovery in the first couple of years. And that's always, that's always been a strong part of my vision, I guess. I'm not sure when I would say that I kind of hit where I am now. I definitely think that when it comes to processing, that's like an ongoing journey all of the time. Cause I think that you kind of have to experiment and, you know, people are like, how do you know when you're done with an image? And I'm like, well, sometimes you, you don't necessarily, you have to step away, but I think it's important to have those times you, you don't go maybe far enough. And then sometimes you go too far and you go back and forth until you sort of find your happy place with it. I've just done a ton of experimenting with processing. And one of the things that I really try to do in the field is capture all the information that I know I will need for processing. I think that was one of the keys to kind of getting to where I could really feel completely creative to know what I can do in the end with raw exposures and know what I need in order to get all my information to my final image. Because with landscape photography, you want all the detail in your dynamic range. Sometimes you want to do a creative depth of field, but a lot of times you want everything to focus. And sometimes you have to get multiple exposures and you need not need all of them, but usually I kind of have a vision for what I want the final image to look like and then try to make sure that I capture everything in the field that will allow me to get there in post-processing. But I think mostly just experimenting and listening to, you know, just like I was talking about, like looking at the landscape and thinking, what is it that's speaking to me? What's calling my eye? I think that's what's really led me to where I am today is just allowing whatever my eye grabs to, to capture that, to listen to my own internal voice and just let that guide me. I think that is not always an easy thing to do with so many, you know, external voices. And we see so many other people's work out there, but just to listen to what, how the nature is speaking to me to go out without expectations of what I'm going to capture. Of course, we all have like visions of, oh, this kind of image would be amazing. But I try like whenever I go out to just go out to enjoy it and then allow, you know, to find the beauty in whatever that day is. And I think that has been a lesson that I've really learned as a mom of four. And as much as I am a landscape photographer and educator, I don't get to go shooting and traveling full time. And, you know, there's lots of times I go out and the weather is is not a landscape photographer's dream, but I still go out and, and say what's beautiful in this particular moment. So that has also just sort of led to my approach and how I work with my camera on any particular day. I think always listening to your own voice is the most important in finding like a style in the landscape. I think if you see other people's work and it's like, well, what do you love about that? Is it the colors or is it the movement? How something makes you feel? But I think if you just follow your own voice, it sort of leads you there. That's kind of been what my experience has been. And it sounds like you also were able to experiment with the technical part of photography. You had to learn how to do multiple exposures or you had to learn how to do slow shutter speed. You probably need some extra kind of gear. So you have like the technical piece, but then also you have that creative vision. And like you said, just letting the moment sort of lead you and speak to what the image is going to end up being in the end. Right. I definitely think landscape photography 
there's a lot of technical aspects. You know, I teach those. I think it's really important to learn all those things, to understand them, you know, how to use the filters, how to understand the histogram and the dynamic range and how you might capture that full dynamic range, whether it's one exposure or multiple exposures and to understand how to use them and to get to the point where those technicals become just part of your flow and like second nature. And then once you get to that point, then that's not bogging down your brain anymore. I feel like that gives you the opportunity to really feel and to see things, to just let the nature speak to you rather than being like, okay, I've got to figure out my f-stop and how do I get this filter? And like, I feel like once you feel super comfortable with doing all the technical settings and gear, then it just opens up that opportunity for being more creative and trying new things and not so much worrying about some of the rules that don't always make the best images even. So yes, I think it's important to learn and then go from there. So you mentioned, you know, as a mom of four boys, I'm sure your life is very busy. How do you create those opportunities for landscape photography? Like you mentioned, you live in Chicago and how do you make time to get out into those places that you would love to photograph? So that's really hard. (laughs) It's so hard actually. And I live in the suburbs of Chicago. So there is a lot of beauty that's around me. It's not the jaw dropping landscape of say the Tetons or Hawaii or, you know, some of those other magical places. But honestly, it's really hard. I don't actually get to shoot a ton at home. I find it really challenging to get out because life is so busy. My husband's out the door, but usually before sunrise during the week. And a lot of times on the weekend, I'm just too tired to go shooting sunrise or sunsets in the way of dinner. And so I find it very challenging. I would say, you know, sometimes I just decide it's like, I need to get out and do this for me. And I just make a plan. I'm lucky I have a little pond that is kind of right behind our house and it's no Tetons, but it's like this little nature sanctuary. And I found my ways to capture it in a way that it looks like it's just nature and and not so much a neighborhood. So that helps me get a little bit of a fix. Actually, one of those images is like the header for my click and click photo school workshop. That's one of the ones they chose. So it's a really pretty location that gives me a little bit of a nature experience. But I think that I've just made it a priority at times to plan to initially to get away to do some photography. And it's not that often I tend to make the most of any opportunity for travel that I get. So when I'm gone, I'm just completely immersed in it. And I've also made opportunities when we've traveled as a family, which is not easy. I have to say like that balance is very challenging. My number one tip for anyone who wants to get in landscape photography when they travel with their family is to just get out for sunrise unless their whole family wakes up early. But my family does not like to. That's been my opportunity to say, all right, well, I'm just going to get up early and I go and shoot and I see the day start. And it's like the most energizing, best way to start the day. In the beginning, I would say a number of my opportunities came from those kinds of trips and just creating little pockets of time for myself and then finding some of the pretty places locally. I think a lot of people have messaged me before with my workshop. I'm like, I don't live in a pretty place. Like, I don't know if I should take your class. I'm like, well, first of all, you will find beauty because there is beauty everywhere. And everyone always says, wow, I found where I live is much more beautiful than I expected it to be. And then I also think it's so helpful to learn all those technical pieces in a place that you can go back to over and over and try again. Because the last thing you want to do is be like on your dream trip to Iceland and you're like trying to figure out your settings. If you spend time at home in the suburbs of Chicago or wherever working on how to do long exposures and your bracketing or whatever 
whatever it is, then when you go on the next trip, you're going to be confident and you'll be able to better capture your visions. But I do think landscape photography takes intention. And I think that one of my biggest challenges is truly opportunity and a little bit of luck from the weather. I actually had a blog post that was about four ingredients into landscape photography. One is like just mastering like the craft, like technical. I think the other was like creativity, opportunity, and a little bit of luck. And, you know, you have to have the opportunity to get out there. And some people have harder for some people than others. I think, you know, some people live close to lots of amazing locations. And then sometimes you get the luck with weather or you don't. So I think that the more you can get out, the more you're going to, you could end up with interesting conditions. But I do think that it takes intention. Sometimes it's being able to just run out when you see like a storm forming or the sunset's amazing. But I think it's definitely like saying, okay, I'm going to go out at this time and making a plan for that is helpful. Finding a friend that can go with you. For example, I don't really love to go shooting in Chicago by myself, especially I like to go for, you know, sunrise or sunset or night photography. And, you know, my husband's like, I don't want you going by yourself. So I find friends. I think that definitely is really helpful to find a buddy who can go with you and then just to plan a trip. Honestly, that's one of the reasons that I started my ladies retreats as well is because a lot of times as women and as moms, we're always taking care of everyone else first. And we don't take those opportunities to fill ourselves up and find our creativity. And I think it's important that we do that for ourselves, even though it's hard, it can be so hard to do. I love that your workshop is focused on women. I feel like there's the collaboration piece there. And just like you said, I think that it gives women the opportunity to get out into nature and get to experience it for an extended period of time and be surrounded by other people who have that same interest. I'd love to hear more about, you know, when you started that and what that has looked like. The first one was in 2017. I started thinking about it not too long after I started teaching the world around you because I started teaching that in fall of 2017. 14. And it was in 2015, I really started thinking about it. I felt like I had started teaching the world around you and all these women, you know, that were really excited to learn about nature and landscape. And I felt like that was such a this great opportunity. Not only, I mean, I was so excited to teach and to share and about my passion for landscape, but then also to just be connecting with other women who shared that passion was, I think, really special for me. And one of my actually most driving factors in teaching was seeing those connections and bringing people together who share that passion. As that community was developing and um, as I got to meet also more more of those women at ClickAway, for example, um, we'd had like a little alumni gathering and it was really special to meet a lot of them in person. And I was teaching at ClickAway, a landscape class, I think in Seattle. And it was after that that I was like, you know, I really need to make this retreat happen because there are all these women that really want to learn more, to connect more, to do more nature and landscape shooting. And because it is so hard often to get out on our own and times we don't necessarily feel safe on our own. I just, I felt like for so many reasons, it would be such a great opportunity to have like several days where you're just focused on nature and landscape with other women who also have that passion, who want to be out there, who want to, you know, arrange dinner around sunset and get up early. I just felt like that was something that we as women needed. And there were lots of landscape photography workshops out there, but none of them were all women. And I don't know, I felt like there was this opportunity for 
a women focus where we could connect and also just something that's more intimate than some of what I felt like I had been to a workshop just with my mom in early, very early 2015. And it was great because got taken around to all these locations, but I was like, wouldn't this be amazing if it was several days where we were like really connecting, not only with photography and the place, but also as, as people, as women. And so I felt like that was something women needed. And I didn't know at the time because I was like, there's no one doing this. I don't, I don't know if anyone would sign up, but I think this would be really amazing. And it's hard to find time to plan trips. It's hard to know where to go. And so the Tetons was naturally like my first place that I thought of because I have such a long history there. And I basically felt like I could just bring a group of people and and lead them around like the next day. Of course, I had all these other tasks ahead of me to set up a business and to plan everything, but I just felt like there was it would be amazing to to do that and to share this place that I loved and to share photography and bring women together to in person to connect. And so finally in in September of 2017 was the very first Um, Magic in the Tetons retreat. So that year I did that one. And then I did, I did the same retreat in September of 2018. That one sold out so fast that I decided to add a June retreat in 2019. So I did June and September in 2019. And then I've also started a Chicago retreat since I live here in Chicago. And in 2017, my family went up and visited Banff and I just loved up there. So that is another location that I have and giving some thought to you know, a couple new locations at some point, just trying to get there and scout is kind of a challenge, but I have kept it all women because I feel like there've been a lot of women that have come and it's been their very first workshop retreat experience. I think there is something about being with other women that help a lot of us to feel more comfortable. And I don't know, I'm not, I can't even always explain why that is, but I think we just, we photograph differently. We connect with each other a little bit differently and I have nothing against men, but I just feel like it's just not something that was really out there. So I feel like it's a unique opportunity to enable women to take that step to say, I'm going to go do something for myself. And I'm going to be out there with other women who love this as much as me. And if we're all sitting at dinner and we see the light is suddenly amazing, we're all ready to just get up and grab our stuff. And that actually happened at one of the retreats. We're sitting there like, oh, look at that light. We're like, okay, let's go. And I think that's really special. So that's kind of why I've kept it all women. I love that. Photography, I think, is still predominantly male dominated. I think landscape probably just has a lot more men that participate. And so allowing that safe space for women to come together and and learn together. And like you said, probably have other ways that they can communicate and connect. And I also like, I was thinking about when you were talking about how important it is to learn all the technical parts and even using your own neighborhood so that you are ready when you go to the bigger places. I think I can imagine some of the women who have taken your workshop and they've practiced in their neighborhood on, like you said, the pond that you have or their neighborhood park, and then they are able to travel somewhere and they've got all the skills and can, can show up and really bring those places to life. Yeah. I love when that happens. I've had some, you know, I've had people who 
either share on social media or will email me and say like, Hey, I went here, you know, with spring break with my family. And I actually took pictures that I feel like embody what I was experiencing. And that's the first time that happened. So I've had that happen after world around you. And I've had that happen after one of my retreats when someone was like kind of unsure what they were going home with. I think it, it's hard to know sometimes when you just have the pictures in your camera still until you get home and you get them on your computer and you have the chance to like work with them a little bit. It's hard to know what you have, right? When someone then goes out on their own and they're like, I got it, you know, this, I felt like I could really capture what I was seeing. Like that's really rewarding to know that they've made that leap in their ability to, you know, to really bring home what they were experiencing, which I think is the whole whole idea of it. So I know, you know, we've kind of talked a little bit about how landscape is part opportunity, part luck that you have to be intentional to get out there and make the time. And I know on your blog, you, I read a post that you wrote that was called seven reasons I don't shoot every day. And with all of the sort of push with like project 365s and, you know, obviously with photography, like any other art, the more you practice, the better you get. But I thought there was so much goodness in that blog post and I loved your perspective and how it relates to landscape photography. Can you share a little bit about some of the reasons why it's been good for you to let go of that pressure? Gosh, I wrote, I wrote that a long time ago, didn't I? You know, when I first started learning, I naturally shot every day. I was a little obsessed <laughs> as many of us are, you know, and constantly shooting, constantly taking classes and learning. And I think when you're first starting out, I think that is really important because every time you click the shutter, every time you review your images and you see, oh, well, that's not in focus or that's underexposed, all of those things. I think you learn valuable things with each of those experiences that help you shoot better next time. And even if you're not in good light, you're learning so much with each shot. And I think that that really helps me in the beginning to progress quickly and also to get to the point with my landscape photography, because I didn't really ever take a class on landscape photography specifically. I took a class on the lighting and composition and post-processing and all those things, but never specifically on landscape, but I think just, you know, the constant shooting really did help me. I think that is so important to shoot, to come back and to review and be able to self-critique your own images and see what to do next time. But over time, I felt like as I have learned more and have more confidence in my technicals and more confidence in my creativity and my vision, I found that it helps me not to feel like I need to shoot every day. Like at this point, I have so many many images on my, on my external hard drives. I don't even ever get to finish all the images from my trips. And I feel like I don't need to shoot to shoot if that makes sense. I want to shoot when I am very inspired by something. And I feel like it's an image that is really a moment that I want to capture. I just don't feel like I need to go find something to shoot. I think that that just adds pressure. I think it adds just more images to your backlog and your you know, digital library that can sometimes just put more images in the way of the ones that you really love. It allows me more time to, to go back to images that I have not had time to process because I, it's so much easier to take lots of images when you're out, but then it takes all this time to post-process them. 
I'm not a very fast editor. I don't batch edit. So like landscape photography is is more of a creative editing process. So I feel like not shooting every day certainly allows me more time to work with images and that I really love. And I also just think that it's okay not to be shooting. I think that your brain can reflect on things and learn. And I think you can become a better photographer sometimes by allowing yourself that break and allowing yourself to get other things done that might be on your plate. I know if I have a trip coming up that that's going to be inspiring to me. And I don't feel like I have to worry about constantly adding stuff every day. Sometimes I get in a place where I'm like, oh, I really need to get out and shoot. I'm feeling like I want to create something new. I want to try a new technique, that kind of thing. But I really just don't feel like I have to shoot at a particular schedule. If something calls to me, great. If I feel like I want to get out, then I go. But if I don't, then that's fine. I know I'll always have another opportunity when I need it. Post-processing is such a big part of landscape photography too, that I feel like having the time for that is really valuable. So, you know, they go hand in hand with what you capture in the field and then what you do on your computer. So I appreciate having that time as well without feeling like, oh my God, and I just took all these new images this week and now I have to get to all of those. And I just feel like it's not realistic. (laughs) And in fact, in my online class, I tell everyone in the beginning, I'm like, I don't expect you to shoot daily. Like it's just really unrealistic and busy life to be shooting landscape every day. Unless it's your job, like full-time and you do nothing else, I don't think it's realistic. Maybe when you try, I mean, if you're away on a trip and you know, you're touring, that's different, but in an everyday life, I just don't think it's realistic. And it gives you time to do some of the other projects. Like I know that you just recently had a book that you collaborated with some other photographers on and it gives you time to plan your workshop and some other, other things that you're doing. I'd love to hear more about your, your book that you guys just did. Yeah. So this was super exciting. The book is called Chasing Magic and it was a collaborative community project come out of Women Capture Magic, which is the online community that I started in early 2020. So Amy Miller is an alum of the world around you. She has a um, graphic design background and is very passionate about creating books for her family. And so she kind of reached out to me and she's like, I have this idea of a book of like, you know, nature landscape and of our landscape community. And she's like, I think that would be so neat. And it was interesting at the time, the timing of this, because I was in this place where... You know, I had the World Around You alum and I had several retreats under my belt at that time. And women, a lot of them were alum of my workshop, my online workshop as well, but some weren't. And just all these women that I over time had, you know, developed this community. And I constantly had my brain going, it's like, what else can we, can I do to like bring all these women together and like just thinking about different ideas, whether it's an online space or I hadn't put my finger on exactly what to do, but it was just constantly in my brain. And so, and she brought up this book and I was like, I think that would be fantastic. So we kind of got on Zoom and chatted a little bit about ideas, just what it might look like and ideas for themes. And we're like, okay, so let's think about this. So we just kind of put it down for a little bit and we both just kind of went and thought about it. We had chatted again. We want to do this. We just didn't know when. So it was last spring at some point after the pandemic started and we were all in lockdown. And once again, we were like completely on the same page. Not, it couldn't have been more than a couple days um, after I was sitting there thinking about the book project that Amy messaged me. She's like, I'm thinking this might be the right time to do our book. 
And I'm like, yes, like we're all, you know, we can't get out, we can't travel, we can't connect. And how amazing would it be for everyone to be kind of like going through their past travels and bringing all of us together into this project? So we sat down and brainstormed about like what we thought that we wanted the book to look like. And we thought we want to do some themes and have people submit images. And I had just started uh, Women Capture Magic as a Mighty Networks community. It would be perfect to do it within this community. So we kind of brainstormed what kind of what we wanted the book to look like a little bit, kind of a vision for it. And we asked our friend Megan Arndt, who is a very talented multi-genre photographer, also an alum of the Wilderbound Jew. And she's actually assisting me with a couple of retreats this year. So we decided to ask her if she would like to contribute and kind of help with the vision and putting together this book. And she was thrilled. So the three of us then and sat down and came up with 10 different themes that we wanted everyone to submit images for and put out the image call. And we got such an amazing response from the women in the community. And we have 130 six artists represented in this book. So we have 10 chapters, Let's Adventure, Seeking Serenity, Intimate, After Dark, In Motion. Those are just a handful of different themes. And so we had a submit and we went through a very long process of, you know, selecting images to fit the themes and all 10 chapters had someone write a little intro to that theme, which was special. Um, We have some little like behind the shot captions for some of the images to add, just to add a little like personal story. It's really special. It's amazing. The images that the ladies submitted and the way that each chapter came together with, it feels like there's something that ties all the images together and yet they are all so uniquely their own, which is just amazing. It's super inspiring to, it was really rewarding to work on the book and Amy did the layout, like the physical layout of the book. And she's just, she does such an amazing job. It was, an amazing collaboration and then just to see it come together and to see it was so great to feel like this avenue of giving so many women a place of voice to share their talent because there's just so much talent out there and to have it all in one book is really incredible it was it's a big book it's like 180 pages we hope to do future books it might be a little bit smaller project we still have to meet and kind of brainstorm that but we're hoping to do future books because it's a really special really special project to bring that together. It's neat that that was a collaboration of so many different artists, but I also imagine that creating coffee table books or albums of your travels could be another way to showcase your landscape photography. Yes. (laughs) That is something that actually has been something that I've wanted to do for a while. My biggest problem is I have too many ideas and not enough hours in the day. But yeah, you're right. I have like a Teton coffee book table on my radar for sure, because I've wanted to do like the Teton in all seasons. And amazingly, after going to the Tetons for like 40 years, I never went to the Tetons in the winter until my 40th birthday. That's what I told my husband. I'm like, all I want for my 40th birthday is to see the Tetons in the snow. So he planned like a surprise trip for me, the two of us. We went, I've gotten to go a few times now, but I was like, I have to get my pictures from all the seasons, which I'm collaborating, kind of getting them together. But that's kind of a goal of mine. So then it's just figuring out how I want to do it. 
That sounds amazing. Being in California, we have a lot of national parks and Yosemite is one that my family and I had been going to for a couple of years in a row. And it's interesting because we had been going in February and it's always snowy and cold. It just happened to be like a weekend that was a long weekend from school and work for everybody. And it just worked out and it's not as crowded. But when you mentioned not seeing the Tetons in the winter, I had a flashback moment of, I haven't seen Yosemite in the summer. I've only ever seen it in the winter and in the snow, but being able to see those places that are grand in all the different seasons, I think is such a neat, a neat way to showcase the beauty of the place. I need to go in the summer. You do. And I'm actually going this summer. Oh, you are? Yeah. I've only been once. I went with my mom and my kids. We were there for two nights and it was not enough. Yeah. We're actually going to be driving up the coast and then going to Yosemite and finishing it. My mom, mom lives outside San Francisco. And then my stepsister's in San Diego. So we're going to start in San Diego and drive up. And so we're going to spend a few nights in Yosemite. And I'm, I'm really excited to go back, but I would love to go in the winter. Yosemite is definitely a park that really speaks to me. I wish that I was closer to go and explore more, but I think winter landscapes are amazing. Like they're just jaw dropping and I get cold easy, but I think if you wear the right clothes, it's so worth it. Like there's just something that the pristine, quiet, like sparkling nature of winter, I think is so magical. I love it in the winter and I love the snow. I don't love that the days are so short because it's it's really hard to find your way in the dark or you don't have as much daylight to shoot in terms of photography, but it's definitely a beautiful winter landscape. Yeah. So speaking of shorter days in Yosemite, I know that you have shot some cityscapes and some nighttime photography that you've done in Chicago. I would love to hear a little bit more about how that sort of plays into the landscape or what that has been like for you. Yeah, I think, you know, as much as I love the natural world, I think that it's it's also really interesting when you're in you know, a more either a suburban or urban environment to capture cityscapes or the way our human architecture and life kind of mixes with the nature, the natural world. I mean, Chicago, for example, is, you know, right on Lake Michigan, and I think has a really beautiful skyline. I find it to be really fun and enjoyable to go down and, you know, capture the, the shoreline of Lake Michigan. And there's great city skyline views from various places like the Adler Planetarium and just all along the the lakefront. And I lived in Chicago for about nine years, ran those trails, like training for marathons for years. So Chicago is definitely a really special place for me. So the skyline kind of holds also a special place in my heart. And, you know, I think night photography, whether you're shooting the stars or you're shooting a city definitely has its own set of challenges when it comes to dynamic range, um, because you definitely have your really bright city lights and then you have like deep shadows. So for example, if you're shooting like Chicago, you have like, you know, the dark water and then you have bright buildings and it definitely challenges kind of some of those technicals, but it also just gives like kind of a different creative opportunity. And then, you know, shooting like light trails is really fun. It's just another long exposure opportunity of finding something and creating a creative effect that isn't quite what you see in real life. Um, just makes, you know, adds to creativity, which I love to kind of go down and it's fun to like, see if you can kind of get a bus to go through, which gives you like the, the higher trails and stuff like that. So 
that's definitely something that um, we do at Magic in Chicago Retreat. We can actually kind of focus on um, night photography quite a bit. It's just unique and a different way of seeing a place. That's one thing I find really interesting at times too, is like, you know, you have this one place and capturing it in different light and night is just one of those different times, blue hour or night. And so I think it it's very parallel with landscape photography. It's just a different environment, but most of the technical stuff, whether it's exposure or focus or composition, still all those things are parallel with landscape photography. They can be applied in either setting. There's a few things that kind of are different, but it's very similar. I find it very fun to photograph different kinds of environments. I love the mountains, obviously with the Tetons. I love shooting water and changing up shutter speed to capture like super smooth or capture the movement of the water. And then I love to get into the woods and I love to capture the city. And I think it keeps things interesting and just adds to your creativity when you're, when you're shooting different environments. And night is definitely, I think, really fascinating. It's just one of those times you want to make sure that you're safe and aware of your surroundings. And I don't get to do it as much as I want. And I think some of that's just for safety reasons, but I always find it really exhilarating to get out in the night. So it's fun. I think it would be a great project. Like you mentioned, seeing the same place in different kinds of light. It would be really neat to see like a corner in the city of Chicago at sunrise, maybe even midday with some of those like more deep shadows that happen at that midday sunlight time and then evening and then nighttime. It would be a really neat project to see them across all of those different lights. It is really interesting. One of the assignments I should give and world around you in the first week is to pick one location and capture it at different times of day or different weather conditions. And it's interesting to see because it's like, one, it's kind of a fun project, but then also it really shows you how significant it can be. Here's your setting. And in say, it's just overcast flat light. It's like, not that interesting. But then say you add in fog or you add in golden hour, you or you do it at night, like depending on what your conditions are time of day, you can see like, oh, this is what really speaks to me or this location. Maybe it's not even an amazing location, but look how amazing it is in certain conditions. I think that's really important too, because like it does make a difference. And in some conditions, like one setting might not be that interesting, but maybe a smaller section of that scene is interesting in that light. But yeah, I think it would be an interesting project to do that with the city and the way the light light up at night. Like, I think it's interesting to see when it's not quite dark, but the lights come on. You might have a hint of sunset towards blue hour, but it's not fully dark. I think one of the most beautiful times in the city. But yeah, it would be fun to do that. Like you mentioned earlier, you have more projects than you have time for. I think that's, (laughs) I tend to be the same way. I, I can come up with all of these ideas for different projects, but then actually finding the time to go out and do them is much more challenging. There's a really beautiful (laughs) beach near me that has uh, tide pools. And throughout the year, the tide pool and the tides change and the rock formations change, how much you have access to changes. And for the last, you know, I don't know, 10 years, I've thought to myself, what a cool project it would be to go out there once a month and just try to capture. Yeah. Like like the same spot. Yes. Every like two weeks, it would be neat to put that like in a slideshow. Yes. And challenging too, because because like you said, it it does lend itself towards not always being beautiful light. So you'd have to right. deal with things like changing light or fog or overcast days or when the sun is setting at different times of the year. But just being able to go and capture standing almost in the same place and having that be the project. But it's just one of many on my list. 
Well, and it's somewhere that is special to you too. I think that's something that's neat. I think as much as sometimes I wish I lived like somewhere I could drive like, you know, an hour to mountains or have bigger waterfalls than (laughs) Chicago has, like, I think there is something special regardless of where you live to be able to capture certain places over and over again, because you can see things differently and in new and different seasons and stuff like that. Even if you go without your camera, just to get ideas and to notice like when it might be particularly beautiful or, you know, we have opportunities to go back and try things again too. come home. And it's like, Oh, well, I can just go back, you know, and that's kind of a special and valuable opportunity to have. Yes, definitely. So speaking of projects and ideas, is there anything that you're curious about right now or that you're working on that's new to you or maybe a little bit different? One of the things that has, I would say is not a, a complete shift in my photography because I still love all the things that I loved from early on shooting wide and grand landscapes. But over the last couple of years, I started using um, telephoto lenses a little bit more in my landscape photography. I purchased the Sigma 150 to 600. I actually purchased it partly because my son was out playing on the soccer field and I thought that would be you know a great opportunity. And then sometimes I also like to photograph wildlife and I wanted something long than like 200 to capture wildlife out in the Tetons. So I got that lens and I used it primarily for those things. And then over time I started, I started noticing all these like littler stories and scenes within the grand landscape. Um, like for example, I'd be at Oxbow Bend capturing sunrise and there was this beautiful tree all the way on the right in front of the mountains across the water that was colorful fall foliage and fully lit up by the sun. It was just like sitting there glowing and I needed like the 600 millimeters on that lens to capture only that tree because within the grand landscape, the tree would be there, but it's not what would be the story of the image. So that sort of started some of my interest in capturing smaller stories. And and that telephoto lens is so useful in landscape because there's so many times that you can't necessarily get closer to peak of a mountain or the way a wave is crashing a little bit further out in the ocean, you know, if you want to get a close up. And so I started to really use that lens a lot for landscape photography, even more so during the pandemic, I ended up pulling it out and putting it on a camera on my counter. I mean, some of it was little wildlife out my, outside my window, but also just various little natural scenes. And I really started embracing that even more in 2020 and have continued that in, in the few trips that I've made. I've loved using it in the Smokies. And I really, really love using a telephoto lens. It gives the opportunity to find little stories in addition to the grand landscape. So that lets you capture more variety, I think. And then it also just gives you an opportunity to find like just little scenes and stories that maybe are unique to you. You know, you could be standing next to next to somebody at the same big scene. But when you find some of those little stories, those the person next to you may not be capturing the same thing. And and I think that we have that opportunity to like use those to express our own unique voice. I haven't given up the grand landscape because I do really love those wide vistas and dramatic skies. And my kids always like, look, mom, you got your clouds today. But I also really love to capture those intimate scenes. And and it's such a great opportunity too when you when you don't have, I guess, the weather that you might want for the bigger scene. I find 
find that there's almost always smaller scenes that you can still be shooting. So I think that's something that I have really incorporated into my photography in the last couple of years. That's something that I really love right now. I love the idea of capturing those smaller stories or those smaller scenes in the bigger picture. I think my longest lens is 100 millimeters. I can't imagine what 600 would look like, but got me intrigued. I'm curious now. And my brain is sort of thinking about all those smaller stories because I can imagine what that would look like when you're looking at the bigger scene, which I also like to capture that kind of yeah. bigger, bigger scene and the the wide view. But there are so many of those really great smaller stories. And sometimes it is that one beautiful pocket of light. And when it's in the bigger scene, it gets lost. But if you could narrow down with that telephoto lens, you could really hone in on that one area that's inspiring you to click the shutter at that moment. It's really interesting because thinking back on just a couple of my trips in the last couple of years, some of my favorite images are taken with that lens where I isolated. One of them was at my September Teton retreat this day. It just basically rained all day. We had some great connection and then we're just like over the buttes, there were still some pretty clouds that were floating. And, you know, we're just like, let's just go drive around and see what we find and we went to one of the lakes and the clouds were like floating through the pine trees. And as I'm just standing with everyone, I'm like, I just kind of like literally just grabbed the camera with that long lens and took a few. And one of them is one of my favorites. And it was not a nice day, you know, like capturing a lot of sky wouldn't have been very interesting, but capturing the raindrops on the lake was really pretty. Capturing the clouds and through the trees um, was really pretty. I feel like there's always something that's beautiful. And I feel like the telephoto lens can provide some of those opportunities in the winter March this year I was out there and in the Tetons and like far away from me there was mist coming off the Snake River into this little patch of trees that had like you know were covered in icy snow and it was so far from me and it was just this one little area and that's one of my favorite images and then I have one from July last year when I was there with my family driving back from a sunrise I'm passing this this butte that I always passed and it's beautiful there was like one little pocket where the sun was hitting the tree. And it required, you know, really long focal line to isolate that. Like if I'd taken a picture of the whole butte, it wouldn't have told the story that I wanted. So I really love that. I think it's like no one else would have driven by and taken that picture that day. And I love those things that sort of make you want to pull over. And those images wouldn't really be possible with a wider angle. You'd have to crop in so much that wouldn't be very helpful, but I really love using those longer lenses. And it's a good reminder that there's storytelling and landscape versus is I know sometimes it can be viewed as just a beautiful scene, but there is a story there. Like I think you've talked about multiple times today, the meaning behind the images and the feeling behind the images and the storytelling behind the images. So it is more than just a beautiful scene or the way that the sky looks that day. I mean, it can be just that, but that really there is intention behind your composition and what you're putting in the frame and what you're choosing to include or not include and how there is that additional element or aspect to landscape photography. Yeah, I definitely think there is. And I think that the using a longer lens has one of the values of it is that you can really exclude the things that don't fit, you know, that are going to distract or aren't adding to what is calling to you in that moment. So I think that that's special. And the longer telephoto lenses, they're not very portable friendly. I mean, they're big. So that's the downside for sure. And then also like, you know, I will go to a location, for example, and I'll shoot wide at like 16 and then I'll shoot in the 24 to 70 range 
image and then I'll pull out a telephoto and love that because then I have like kind of a variety and different, you know, each um, different focal lengths will tell a different story or like in the mountains, a wide angle, like the mountains get shrunk quite a bit. And then the the longer lenses really make them feel more impressive and majestic. So it kind of depends what you're, what feeling you go for. What is the story of that particular scene? I definitely struggle with like minimizing gear. So I'm definitely not the person to be like, I really don't want to take very much. What should I do? <laughs> That's not my specialty because I like to be able to do different things, but I do think it's, it's worth it at times to carry the heavy lens. It takes a little bit, I think, of practice. I think the more I use it, the more I see opportunities with it too. You know, it's just a a different way of seeing. I think when I first started landscape photography, like wide was definitely what I saw and was drawn to. And and I don't think that's weird. I, I think that a lot of people, if you first get into landscapes, that's sort of where you were at. And I still love that. But I also love now to be like, well, in this big scene, what is most interesting is the way the light is hitting this one peak. I can be like awed by the grand landscape, but also really taken with other little stories within it. So, and I like that that lets me capture a little bit more variety, um, especially in a place that if you go back to the same place over and over, you know, you start to see things differently and see new things, and especially I think details. And so being able to use a longer lens to focus on some of those details and and capture a place differently than you have before is a learning experience and a fun challenge. I was able to go on an Alaska cruise and I took a 16 to 35. And then I took my longest telephoto, which was a hundred at the time. I mean, it's still my longest, but it was amazing how many people recommended the 16 to 35 or the wide angle lens for the landscape and how often I found myself wanting to use my 100 because of what you're talking about. I really felt like I wanted to isolate like one part of the scene and not have the entire wide angle view for every single photo. And it just, like you said, gives you a different perspective. So I could capture it in two ways. And those photos had very different looks to them and feels to them. Yeah. I can just imagine because I've only been, I've I went to Juno once um, and stayed there with a friend whose family lived there. But, you know, and I can imagine that all the, the mountains and views are a lot of them are far off, right? So when you're only capturing them with a wide angle, like, and they can come across even smaller and be able to use a longer lens would bring that closer and give a closer look on some of those areas that, that weren't that close to you as you were standing there, right? Yes. And to be able to have both at the same time, like you're talking about pulling out each one, like we went to walk on the glaciers, which was amazing. And it had, there were helicopters and everybody had these bright, like reddish orange coats. And I have a number of the wide angle with all the little details. But then as you're talking about using the telephoto for the storytelling, in my mind, I can go back to that scene and think about what it would have looked like to have had a telephoto in the moment. I didn't have, I could only take one lens. We were on a helicopter walking on a glacier. So most people didn't even have a camera. They had their phones. So I was already an outlier with my DSLR as we were going on this adventure, but I wasn't going to miss being able to capture it the best that I could with the gear that I had at the time. And, but I, I definitely, definitely hear what you're saying and think that there's so much value in being able to see that scene in different ways, almost how our eyes can narrow down and focus on one thing, but then being able to use a lens to capture that in a photo, I think is just magical. Yeah. That's what I'm finding. Yeah. That's just definitely something that has been, I'd say a gradual, a gradual shift in, in embracing that approach. So that's, you know, over 2020, I didn't get to do any retreats. That's something that I definitely will be 
encouraging participants to kind of take advantage of and look for more going forward. It's a great challenge and creative challenge. And I feel like it's also just very personally and artistically rewarding and satisfying when you when you can capture those those smaller scenes that maybe no one else will ever capture that same image. We're often drawn to a lot of the same stunning places. And I think that there's reason for that, right? I mean, a lot of these iconic spots and beautiful parks, like they are popular for very good reason. And I think that we shouldn't shy away from capturing those grand iconic spots because if we're there, it doesn't matter how many people have been there and captured it before us. Like that is our own personal experience. If we have a special experience somewhere and capture that image of our experience, like that's valuable. That are that are special that no one else might have captured because they weren't there to see that particular light on that particular spot or that kind of thing. I just think it just allows our own artistic voice to express itself. Well, you have definitely inspired me today. I'm ready to dig in a little bit more to my technical skills and see what I can improve on to capture my world around me a little bit more beautifully. I can't think of another word, but just to capture it differently maybe than I already am doing right now. So can you just tell everybody where they can find you online if they feel like I do and they want to learn more about landscape photography and about all the things that you have to offer? Sure. So my Instagram is just at Kristen Ryan Photography. And that is also my website is the same, just www.kristenryanphotography.com. And then I also host the online community, Women Capture Magic. And it's with Mighty Networks. So you can find it probably through like a Mighty Networks app on, on your phone, but also online. And that is just at, it's just www.womencapturemagic.com. It's free to join and you just request to join. And then I will approve the request. It's pretty easy to find. And basically it's just a community of women who are interested in nature and landscape photography. And um, it's just a group with various different sections to share different kinds of images. You can ask questions. Have a couple different groups. We have a project, project 12. It's a nature project 12. And so there's like a theme for each month. The P12 is what I started when the group started. And it's just a little bit easier just because it is hard to get out and shoot a lot. I think it puts a less pressure and it's kind of a project that is everyone can just do, you know, make it their own. And then Women Capture Magic also has an Instagram feature hub and that's just at Women Capture Magic. So if anyone wants to follow, I do feature images there as well. And then I have a Instagram for um, Magic in the Teton. So those are different places to find me online. It's a lot of great places to find out more about landscape photography and to find you. Yes. And I do teach also the world around you with Click Photo School. The last run just wrapped up and we don't know um, yet when the next run will be. It might not be till next spring, but that is something I also do. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today. I really appreciate it. It was so fun. Thanks. I really appreciate you having me. This was lots of fun. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, I would absolutely love it if you would take a screenshot to share on Instagram or with a friend. Tag me and Kristen so we can see it and hear how this episode inspired you. Thank you so much for being here.